for example, we're, we're visiting a school in Nashville called Valor College Prep, and they have these weekly circle discussions, right, where students can talk about what they're doing and, and where their teachers can really take time to listen to them. I'm so excited that you're visiting Valor. It's fantastic. And I think what is so amazing about their work, first of all, did you know that Valor was started by a set of identical twins? No clue. One is a school leader and one is a psychologist. I love that. And this set of identical twins decide to come together and open a school where they really are able to bring their skills in building a great school and supporting especially those awkward years of middle school and some high school, like really helping kids navigate that. Today, we're in conversation with CZI co-founder Priscilla Chan. We'll hear her thoughts on whole child development, the inspiration for the initiative, and the trendy discussions around education. Then the unique story behind a school in Tennessee that's outperforming other schools in the state with its implementation of social-emotional learning. I'm Morgan Radford. Welcome to Episode 2 of Building Classroom Connections from Today, sponsored by the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. This podcast is sponsored by CZI, which stands for Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. The head of this for-profit organization is Chan. She's on a mission to reframe the way schools approach the student-teacher dynamic. I spoke with her remotely. She wore a comfortable solid cream sweatshirt, unexpectedly casual attire for someone most of us know as the wife of Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, now known as Meta, and one of the top five richest Americans. Here, I was greeted by Chan, the working mother of two daughters, who are the inspiration for CZI, an organization that makes education and whole child learning one of its priorities. For us at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, you can't isolate specific aspects of education. It's meaningless to say, we're really focused on reading, or we're really focused on, you know, mathematics, because kids don't come that way. Kids don't sort of bring just their math self and turn that on for that exact moment in the classroom. They are a whole person. And if they're hungry, if they're tired, if they're worried about something, it is really hard for them to bring their best mathematical self to the classroom. That is actually not possible for most humans and definitely really, really hard when you're a little kid. And so what we focus on is how can you support the whole child? How can you think about a student holistically when you're supporting their academic success? Not because the whole child is something apart from academics, because the whole child is what powers a child to be successful in the classroom. Back in 2015, Chan and her husband posted a letter to their newborn daughter, Max, welcoming her into the world. In that letter, they talk about new life, about promise, about dedicating themselves to humanitarian efforts, which included the couple pledging 99% of their Facebook shares toward funding those efforts through the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. At that time, it totaled $45 billion. First off, Max is now at an age where she can actually read that letter, right? (laughs) Max is six now. She can, in fact, read the letter. And I think... The thing that's really fun is 
to be able to talk about giving with her, to talk about sort of what I do, what Mark does, and um, different ways that she can give back. Um, And it has to be little, right? I think about, you always have to remember what's developmentally appropriate. She's six. um, So she she can handle, you know, a little bit of tension. She can handle sort of a problem and uh, find a way for her to solve that particular problem. She has decided that she is in love with cats. We can't have one because I'm allergic to cats, but she visits the animal shelter all the time. And um, she decided to donate some of her money that she's earned um, to the animal shelter. And so we actually, she spent an hour wondering what kind of toys and what kind of cat treats the cats at the shelter might like. Wow. That's like, that's like just a perfect max sized problem that she can understand and something that she can do something about. We're we're always trying to do things like that with her and her sister, August. Um, It's important to me that even though they're little, they have agency. And when they see a problem, there's a max or August sized solution that they can be a part of. I love that, a maxed-sized solution. I mean, when you kind of reflect back on where you were when you wrote that letter and where the world is now, do you feel like you've done what you've set out to do in that letter? We're at the beginning. You know, the reason why we wrote that letter when I was in the labor and delivery room six and a half years ago. Oh, you wrote that in the delivery room? We finished it. We finished the last draft oh, wow. in the delivery room. Um, is because we knew this would be hard and it would take a long time to actually build our sense of who we are within these bigger ecosystems. What what is our organization's differential skill set? What can we bring to the table? How do we work alongside others? How do we learn? And so we always knew that this was lifelong work. But the really fun thing about where we're at right now is we have a sense of who we are. We we believe in supporting the whole child. We believe in translating research that happens in academic institutions to be able to be applied and at the fingertips of practitioners, whether they're teachers or scientists or, you know, local nonprofit leaders. Like, they should have access to those best practice and be able to be that connector be that builder, be that supporter within the ecosystems that we work in is something that we've learned. We're still iterating on how we do it, how we show up, what we do, what are good ideas that we're getting momentum off of? What are things that really aren't getting traction? And so that that learning process will always continue to happen. But knowing what's a CZI-sized problem or a CZI-shaped problem is something we're gaining confidence in every day. And that feels good. You mentioned some things, you know, you realize are, are, that work and there are things that don't work. When we talk about education, there are lots and lots of big ideas, right? There, there's often a lot of outside money that gets involved. I mean, what are some of the things that you've learned from this process that do not work? In education? Yes. It's such a complex ecosystem. It's distributed within our country and it's many local stakeholders. But at the core of it is you need invested teachers 
And you need to be supporting teachers with tools. You need to be supporting teachers with professional development, with career opportunities. And so you have to be deeply engaged with the local community is looking for and connecting that with the practitioners, the teachers, and the parents. This is to our belief that you have to support the whole child, but you actually have to support that whole local ecosystem. And if the parents are not on the same page with the teachers, with the school leaders, with the kids, it breaks down. And so um, really thinking about the stakeholders and community engagement is super important. But as we mentioned in episode one of this podcast, this style of teaching hasn't gone without criticism. In places like Southern Florida and Fairfax County, Virginia, a small but vocal group of parents have formed political groups, arguing that social-emotional learning has become a so-called Trojan horse for critical race theory, with one parent group in Southlake, Texas, calling it indoctrination. We do want to note that critical race theory is a separate academic concept that examines how systemic racism is embedded in society, one that's been taught in law schools for nearly 40 years and rarely at the K-12 level. Still, these groups point to lessons that encourage children to celebrate diversity, sometimes introducing conversations about race, gender, and sexuality. It's a criticism Chan is well aware of. There are critics. There are people who don't like this idea, right, of taking an approach that looks at the entire student as a whole. What do you say to critics who say, dude, when I was growing up, teachers just taught and you left all your baggage at the door? I mean, is that something that you've heard before? And what do you say to that? I I think what people really worry about is lowered expectations. I'm not saying that we should lower our expectations at all. In fact, what I'm saying is if we actually make sure that each kid feels like they belong in the classroom, that can help us reach higher expectations because a child is supported in a way that best allows them to to thrive in the classroom. You know, there's a lot of parents out there who say, hey, look, I'd love to send my kid to one of these charter schools or special academies, but... I'd rather, to your point, kind of just improve the school and the resources that are right here in my own neighborhood, or perhaps that parent doesn't have the money to send their kids to to a private school that has, you know, sort of these strategies that are approaching the whole student. Are there sort of any of these resources available to public school kids? So I have to say, this work will not be successful if you have to go to one special kind of school or one special group of schools for your kid to be successful. The idea is really to make sure that you don't have to have that one special connection or live in just the right place or be able to afford a private school. Really thinking across all types of populations, across the socioeconomic spectrum, across all different types of communities. And we, we try to make sure that our work works and can be successful in all of these different contexts. That's in public schools, charter schools, private schools. We do not limit um, where it is being used. And it is um, there's a significant amount of use in public schools. And there's actually also great examples of public schools doing this work too. Um, Van Ness, which NBC has highlighted in the past, is one of the best schools doing this work. And it's a public school in D.C. Um, so I think... 
my takeaway is that not just one special group of kids or one special group of parents wants to do this. And it's not one special type of teacher or school leader who can do this work. And it's really about sharing those best practices and tools, no matter the type of school, so that kids can be successful. Coming up next on Building Classroom Connections, we'll take a look at Valor Collegiate Academy to explore SEL at work and how it helped them become one of the most successful schools in Tennessee. More after the break. Valor Collegiate Academy, it's a part of a charter network of schools in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, today, they have about 1,900 students in grades 5 through 12, spanning across one high school and two middle schools. Since it opened back in 2014, Valor has been ranked in the state's top 5% for growth and achievement. And at the center of that success is a focus on a whole-child approach to learning, something they call comprehensive human development. The idea behind it all, it's making sure they're not just educating students, but actually meeting their emotional needs as well and forming strong student-teacher relationships. One of those students is Johnny Martin. Today, Johnny's a bright, vibrant 16-year-old now in his junior year, but his world wasn't always so upbeat. I was bullied. I wasn't as smart or as smart as the other kids. I didn't really understand half the stuff we were learning. And I feel like that kind of made me like an outsider based on like, well, not my education knowledge, I guess, but like just me being me, like made me feel like an outsider. A feeling that started changing in the seventh grade. The reason? A woman named Miss Penley. She would always intervene. She would always like step in if she saw someone being mistreated or if she like saw something that like, wasn't entirely safe, she would step in the situation and try to figure it out and stop that from happening altogether. That's what she does. She's Miss Penley. Miss Penley is Natalie Penley. She's an assistant principal at Valor Collegiate Academy, and she was assigned as a mentor to Johnny and a small group of other students when he was in the seventh grade. We sat down with her and three of those students, including Johnny, in a classroom one Tuesday afternoon. She says she still remembers how he started to come into his own. I also think that you, your confidence grew and that perception that you had of like, everyone is against me started to change as you got to know these guys. And I think about like the morning time, we have like 30 minutes in the morning where we just get to hang out before school starts. And hearing these guys hang out was one of my, I would just, I would sit on my laptop, I would read papers we would chat, but like the, they just got into some like hilarious conversations, always supportive, always they would play on their Chromebooks. They would have dance parties sometimes. They would um, show up to school with horse heads on. Um, <laughs> they would cook. They had, we had a spaghetti cook off one day and I'm like, why are we eating spaghetti so early in the morning? Um, you know, just stuff like that that they came up with, I think opened up the door for like, oh, we, we can like turn school into community. I think that it was like, it was them. It wasn't me. I was just like there um, and encouraging their weird gamer um, quotes and ridiculous antics. And now, Johnny, how do you feel? How do you feel when you come to school? 
I feel safe every day. I always have like a group of people to support me if I don't feel like entirely safe or if I just feel upset. And it's very helpful and it gives me the space like encouraged to be myself. What is that like for you as a teacher, as the leader yeah. of this circle group to help them navigate that? Well, I think it's, it's really interesting. Well, this group of guys is amazing. Um, but I remember when they were sixth graders, um, sixth grade is just a really tough year of middle school. Um, and I remember <laughs> telling my principal at the time, I was like, I want you to put anyone in my mentor group who you think might need some extra support next year in seventh grade. And seeing these guys like come together um, and support each other um, was really powerful because I think it's like one of the one of the dads ended up coming to circle a little bit later in the year and he was just like, I never got to do this with my friends. Inside the classroom, Johnny participates in something called Circle. It's a guided activity. It happens once a week and it's where students get a chance to really be seen and heard. Inside, one by one, they share their feelings in a non-hierarchical group setting with a specifically trained teacher or student leading the way. And just like math, science, and history, it's all part of the curriculum. Johnny says it's nice to be able to share his feelings in a safe place and that it gives him a chance to really connect with his fellow students like Nick and Devon. I've definitely become more outgoing and I've definitely been willing to open myself to other people. Uh, I know... Like, I can notice who I can trust and who I can open up to now. Nick, I, I saw this pretty powerful story of you. And you lost a parent. And you came and you shared with your students and your friends about what you were going through. How did Circle help you process what was happening in your life? Well... Back when it actually happened, I wasn't able to process it, anything like, I wasn't able to cry about it, like, at that moment. And so I just had to, like, take it all in, and I didn't know how to let it out. So I tried Circle, and it helped a lot. Like, I was able to, it feels like I was able to express myself again. What would you guys say to other students who are like, dude, I could never do that. I don't want to go to that school. I don't want to sit and talk about my feelings. I don't want to go to circle. What would you say to students who were still skeptical? I just say take a leap of faith. Like, just risk it. Because, like, it feels good. I'd say don't be afraid to show yourself and be willing to open yourself because coming to this school was probably one of the best things that happened to me. It grew my personality and I discovered who I was as a person via Circle and being able to connect with people like Nick and Johnny and Miss Penley. Valor was founded in 2012 by Todd and Darren Dixon. One has a background in education, the other in mental health. They also happen to be identical twins. Their focus from the beginning was on something called intentional diversity, really making sure their school had a wide range of people from different cultures and different income levels, which can be a rarity in Nashville. Their belief that whole child development goes hand-in-hand -hand with a strong education is one that CZI shares. 
In 2019, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative issued a $1.6 million grant to Valor, and CZI introduced us to the school as a good example of the work that they do. In many ways, Johnny's story echoes Chan's own experience as a young student growing up in a working-class suburb of Boston. She says it was hard finding where she fit in at first, until she found educators who took the time to listen. I think if you asked each person what was the most important thing about their academic, like in their schooling, they probably have a teacher that they would name. I bet you could you could name that teacher. I can. It's Mr. Long and Mr. Swanson. Who's yours, Morgan? Miss Enright, AP uh, teacher in high school. Yeah. And like Miss Enright did something special for you. And I I I grew up I was a um Chinese Vietnamese student. Uh my family were refugees in an Irish Catholic community and I was like who am I? Where do I belong? Do what what is my place in this school? And it was Mr. Long and Mr. Swanson who saw beyond physics and biology and supported me in my success in the classroom. And I thought that it would be easy to do that for others. And that's that's why I actually initially went into teaching. And it's not easy. It's actually really hard to be Ms. Enright. Or Mr. Swanson. Or Mr. Swanson. And, but that that's who we remember. That's who inspired us to do more and I think if you ask each, each skeptic, I think they each have that person. Up next, we take a closer look at how these SEL practices are used at Valor to really help the success of the teachers. Stay tuned. All right, everybody, let's get started. And we'll start like we always do. With the True North, which is very, very important, I think, right now. We do a True North so that we can get settled in this space. It's 30 minutes past the end of the school day here at Valor Collegiate Academy. The chairs are all pushed to the edge of the room, and a breathing exercise begins. And we'll begin with two intentional breaths together, in through your nose, and out through your mouth. Again, in through your nose and out through your mouth. Perfect. Now just breathe however you breathe. Whatever's normal for you is great. Then, one by one, the community starts to form. You're gonna tell us your name, how you're feeling, give us one good feeling word, and then pass it to your friend to the left or the right. It's circle time. But as you can hear, these aren't students, but teachers doing the same kind of activity their students do each Monday. Uh, my name's Kellen. I feel beat down. Uh, really beat down. Uh, and this is my good friend, Chase. Hi, I'm Chase. Um, I'm feeling a bit nervous. Um, this is my wonderful friend, Wyatt. Hi, I'm Wyatt. Um, I'm feeling determined. And even though it means staying late at the end of a pretty long day, the teachers we spoke to say they actually look forward to it as a way to recharge their batteries and create bonds with their colleagues. 
I would say I've never worked in a place that had such a good culture. Not that it's perfect, but we we know each other, we trust each other, we're able to talk about hard things, we're able to know people's backgrounds in a way that I don't think most workplaces foster, and so it makes working here a lot more enjoyable as well. Katie Marshall has been teaching at Valor for several years, and she's had a huge impact on a young woman named Almendra Padron. I taught her when she was in ninth grade, and she was in my circle when she was in ninth grade, and at that time, that was when the pandemic hit and school shut down. And I I didn't really teach her for the next two years. I have her again this year, which is wonderful. Like many Americans, Almendra went through a tough time during the pandemic. Mid-semester of her freshman year, classes were held on Zoom. Her mother lost her job because the place where she worked was shut down. And it was a really big thing in my family because at the time we just didn't know what was going on. We didn't know if she had to work like another job, multiple jobs. It was really just stressful and, like, scary for me to see my mom in that state and, like, my whole family because my mom and dad, like, struggled a lot during that time. Miss Marshall was leading the circle. She also serves as Almendra's mentor. And my mentor at the time, who was um, Miss Marshall, she did something that I feel like I'm never going to forget. Like, she came by my house um, one evening and dropped by a gift card. And to me, when I received it, I felt, like, so grateful, like, because I think that was, like, the very first time a teacher had, like, really, like, went above and beyond and really just, like, hey, I want to care for you. I want to, like, support you. Like, by giving me that gift card, she was, like, caring for me. You knew she cared about you as yeah. a person, as a just person, as a student. student. Yeah. I mean... <sighs> Had, had, had you ever experienced something like that from a teacher before? No, never. I never, like, because usually, like, you're given this mindset in school, like, everyone's here to just learn. Just learn. Not to talk about your feelings. But, like, Valor really has this, like, teacher and student relationship where, like, hey, even during class, they notice you're not doing well. Like, let's talk about it. Let's, like, get like, down to business, let's, like, talk about how you're doing. And, like, if you're not doing well, let's, like, try to figure out a way. Because really, like, if you're not doing well, like, emotionally, like, I don't know how you're supposed to, like, learn, you know? I just want to say welcome, everyone, to our first circle of the year. Breathing in. One, two, three. And out. One, two, three. Almendra is now a senior at Valor and is leading a circle for students. As we recenter circle, I want you to remember that balance is responding rather than reacting to things in life. So take that as you will. I have seen our students compared to students at other schools, and they're light years more emotionally mature. And I, I think that they deep down are grateful and they'll talk about how much circle has meant to them and i think um it's easy to to hate things your school forces you to do but then you know you step back and you're like wow i'm so glad someone taught me that i'm so glad someone made space for me to feel safe they also have access to technology social media websites and apps like facebook and instagram they add another element to communication and their social lives Both of those companies are owned by Meta, and Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg is the husband of CZI's Priscilla Chan. 
so I'm not sure if this is an awkward question or an anticipated question, but, you know, the elephant in the room is obviously that CCI was founded using money from Facebook, now called Meta. To be clear, you have no role within Meta. This is an entirely independent entity from CZI. That's right. Um, But of course, when it comes to kids and parenting, the ways that kids interact with Facebook, with Instagram, social media, it can affect how they grow up. So do you have any thoughts as a parent about how social media can engage with reaching the whole student? Is it harmful? Is it something that we can use to leverage to reach kids where they are and really look at them and their practices and their patterns as a whole student? I think it is a part of kids' lives, the internet. And um, for kids who are using social media, it's a, it's an extension of their non-internet lives. And it should be something that we talk about with students. Like, what are you interested in? What is coming across um, your radar these days? What are you seeing? What are you seeing? And let's talk about it. If you let it be a black hole, it will become something that sort of is can um, that the adults aren't connected to and something that you just don't decide that you don't get to see it, your child or student. But if you engage and talk about it, like the way you talk about the news or you talk about what's happening in your family, it's it's an, it's yet another place to really share context, feelings, um, different beliefs that can be super empowering. But it all depends on how strongly we are willing to dive in and engage with our young people. And when you think about what's next in this space, I mean, do you think that social emotional learning is a trend or do you think it's something that's really, truly and deeply here to stay? I think the term social emotional learning is trendy. I think the idea of do you really want to support how your child is growing and developing and feeling. This predates us. Parents for many, many years have believed in this and teachers have have trusted it with their gut, you know? And so I, I think that's partially why it has been popular because it matches what adults often see as a need for the children in their homes and schools. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't really care what it's going to be called this year or next year or 10 years from now. I do care that we think about students as not on one particular dimension, but as whole people that we're fostering their growth and development. Last question. You mentioned the parents and students have dealt with a lot these past couple of years with the pandemic. Is there anything you're seeing in your work as a whole that gives you hope? Yes, I wouldn't be here without hope. Um, and I think what gives me hope are all the teachers who continue to show up doing this every day, um, even though it is hard. And I'm hoping that teachers and families have, you know, whether it's through the Zoom screen or through the chaos of, you know, navigating through these past few years where we actually can't go back to saying home is home and school is school and never shall the two meet. Like we actually just have to think about how, you know, where the kid goes after school, where the kid is during the day, that these things are interconnected. And we support teachers and 
parents and students for this. And I have to say, you know, this is unrelated and will be a sort of a, a teaser for whenever the next time we talk is, is that the work that's happened in the scientific community supporting all the knowledge we've gained through the pandemic is better than ever. And um, that, that gives me hope all the time. I'm Morgan Radford. Thank you for listening to Building Classroom Connections, sponsored by the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Building Classroom Connections is produced by Mike Brown, Aaron Franco, and Vivian Fell-Solomon, along with associate producer Nina Bisbano and audio engineer Aaron Dalton. A special thanks to executive producer Aisha Turner and Giovanna Billington, senior editorial producer Minna Kathoria, and general manager Soraya Gage. Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. 